Let's get to Genesis chapter 39. The series is God of the Turnaround. We're jumping back into the narrative that is Joseph's life. And when we last left him, we saw his brothers had tossed him into a pit after discussing whether or not they truly wanted to go through with killing him. Deciding against that idea, they then sold him as a common slave to a group of Ishmaelites as they came traveling by, who then, with Joseph in their possession, make their way to Egypt. There we re-enter the story in Genesis chapter 39, starting in verse 1. God's word said, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt. Now I want to go ahead and give you our title right here, so help me out and turn to somebody next to you and tell them, I get knocked down. But I get up again. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house were there in the house, she called him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until her master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant, whom you have brought among us, came in to me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words of his wife, spoke to him, This is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him, put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was in prison there. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. And the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it 
succeed. Let me go back to verse 1 and just accentuate a point one more time. Verse 1 tells us that Joseph had been brought down. When I read that in my studies, I thought it was quite the adequate description. Now, I get it. I know in Joseph's life that contextually, this means logistically he had been brought down to Egypt. I get that. I understand the context of what is being said. But at the same time, our boy Joe had been brought down mentally, physically, emotionally. He was at a low point like none other in his life. I mean, think about it, guys. His own family had admitted to hating him, so much so that they wanted to put an end to his life. Instead, they tossed him in a pit, they sold him into slavery, and then things only continued to go downhill from there. This man, Potiphar, buys Joseph, and for a moment, things seemed to go on the up for Joseph a little bit. God's blessing him, he's granting him success in Potiphar's house. The Word tells us that in all that he did, he caused Joseph to be successful. And so much success was coming through his hands by God's blessings that Potiphar began to take notice. And being a smart businessman, he decides to take advantage of this situation and this man who God is obviously blessing within his house. And he sets him over every single affair of his household inside and out. He is second in command next to Potiphar in his house. It's not long after that that disaster strikes all over again, though. Potiphar's wife accuses Joseph of trying to take advantage of her, convinces Potiphar to believe it, and without any question or opportunity to make a defense for himself, Joseph is thrown into prison. Now, a man's gone from a pit now to a prison. Joseph's been brought down. His brothers, his family, they brought him down. This lying woman has brought him down. Even Potiphar, who I would imagine he had a pretty good relationship with prior to this, has brought him down and left him low at this point. He gets knocked down. He gets up, only to get knocked down once again. That being said, I think God wants to speak tonight to the moments of our lives where we've been brought down. You ever been brought down before? You ever hit a low point? You ever just feel like there is no lower spot to this place that I'm in? Those times where you're just going through it, it happens to all of us. It's going to happen to all of us. When you live on this earth long enough, you're going to go through it. Somebody's going to falsely accuse you of something that you didn't do. Somebody's going to tell a lie about you that isn't true. Somebody's going to try and tarnish your name or your reputation for no good reason. Somebody's going to push you in the pit, make you feel unloved, and sit there and laugh while they eat their lunch over your demise. It's going to happen. These moments either have happened to you, are currently happening to you, or will happen to you again at some point in time in your life. Life will just straight up knock you down at times in the worst of ways. Joseph's going through it. But his experience is going to teach us some things for our own similar moments of life. And I love some of the things that we're going to get to mine out of God's Word tonight. So check out 
this truth. The first thing you need to see about Joseph's situation and, and how it gives us practical application for the same things that we go through is that you can't control corruption. In other words, you can't control the words. You can't control the actions. You can't control the reactions, the plots, or the schemes of other people. By all accounts, what we have seen from Joseph so far is that he truly was a righteous, God-honoring, respectful young man. So bear in mind the fact that he couldn't control the reality of his father favoring him more than his brothers. He couldn't control the hatred and the jealousy that his brothers felt towards him. He couldn't control the sinister motives of Potiphar's wife. He couldn't control Potiphar's unreasonable reaction to a lie that had been told about him. All of those instances and the resulting circumstances that they produced in Joseph's life were beyond his control. He could do absolutely nothing about any of those situations and what they brought about in his life. And a lot of knockdown instances that we face in this life come through mediums that we ourselves cannot control either. You can't control the family you're born into. You can't control the hands of an abuser. You can't control the lies that somebody decided to spread about you. You can't control the persecution that you may face because you chose purity. You can't control those things. It's the unfortunate reality of living in a sin-filled, fallen world. Is it fair? No. Absolutely not. And nowhere in Scripture will you find that it is. Scripture doesn't talk about the fairness of things. It talks about the reality of things. Even in the midst of trying to live righteously, even in the midst of trying to live in a way that honors God, you will still be taken advantage of, cut down, laughed at, brought down. And that's when it gets extra tough, right? Because those are the moments when we want to beg and plead and argue with God. God, I mean, you see like how I'm trying to honor you, right? I'm trying to live righteous. I'm trying to live in a way that, that brings you honor, that brings you glory. And you see how I'm being treated. You see all these things that I'm going with. Like, God, I don't understand, like, why if I'm putting forth all this effort to live in a way that honors you, am I having to deal with all this crap? Why am I having to deal with all this garbage? Why am I having to go through all of these things? Listen, there, there are a lot of things that work in these moments that can't be controlled. And Joseph's life shows us that. But it also shows us that even in the midst of the uncontrollable, there are controllables. When I was playing ball, I had a, I had a quote in the back of my locker. It said, control the controllable. And so when I was on the mound and I was pitching, there are specific things that take place throughout the course of the game that I can't control. I can't control if the guys behind me make an error. Can't control that. I can't control the umpires. There were some guys that I had that were behind the plate. I don't even think they know what a strike zone is. I couldn't control that. Couldn't do anything about that. I could get as mad as I wanted to, and I promise you it never helped the instance. I couldn't control those things. I couldn't control if I made a good pitch 
And the guy at the plate just happened to put a good swing on the ball and hit it over the fence or in the gap or whatever. I can't control those things. Those things were beyond my control. But there were things that I could control while I was out there. I can control my own pitches. I could control my composure on how I handled adversity when things didn't go the way that I wanted them to go. You can control some controllables, and you have to do just that. So I want to look at the controllable things in Joseph's life right now. We've seen the things that he couldn't control. But what can he control? Well, let's look at it. Joseph couldn't control his brother's actions, but he could control his. And guess what? So can you. Life will knock you down and out. And oftentimes it's going to come through means that you cannot control by actions of people that you can't control. But in the midst of those things, you can't control your actions. Joseph couldn't control Potiphar's wife's desires. But he could control his. And guess what? So can you. I got a feeling we might have a little more to say about that a little bit later on in the message. Joseph couldn't control Potiphar's reaction, but he could control his. And guess what? So can you. Even in the midst of difficult situations that we don't understand why they're happening, even in the midst of saying, God, I don't know why I'm going through this. Can you not see that I'm doing my best each and every day to strive to chase after you, to pursue you with the fullness of my heart, to live in a way that is righteous and God-honoring and obedient to your word, and these things are still happening, even in those things that you cannot control, there are things that you still can. All of these people, and you look at Joseph's situation, it is his brother's Potiphar's wife, Potiphar himself, all of these people were literally dragging Joseph through the mud. They're tearing him down. They're dismantling who he was. You know, when we first met Joseph, he was a favored son. Now he's a prisoner's slave. And it's taught me something very valuable in the midst of this. You can't control corruption. And one of the things that, that has been taught as a valuable life lesson for me comes out of response to that, which is the fact that reputation can be ruined, but character can be kept. Remember, you can always control you. So let's look at something a little bit. I want you to see the transformation of Joseph's image from where we started to where he is at now. So let's go all the way back to the beginning. When we met him in Genesis chapter 37, he's, he's listed as Israel's favorite son. He's beloved in the household amongst his parents, his father, and specifically he's, he's prancing around in his coat of many colors like life was good for Joseph at the house for a little while. Like he was the golden child. Man, he got everything that he wanted. We, we joked a couple of weeks ago about how, you know how it is, like, you older siblings in the room, who is it that gets the royal treatment in the house? It's always baby brother. It's always baby sister. Like, Joseph is the baby of the family. He's prancing around in his little coat of many colors. He's rubbing it in his brother's face. Everything's good for Joseph. He's the favorite son. Man, he, he's like, he is high on the hog. But on top of that, he's a young man of integrity. And we know this because of something that his brothers do against him. There was some kind of instance in the field Remember we saw Joseph went back and he, and he told his father about what his brothers were doing and they got upset 
They think he's a tattletale. They think they label him as a snitch. What it really was was Joseph's integrity and seeing something wrong that his brothers were doing and reporting that back to his father. It wasn't that he was necessarily snitching on his brothers. It's the fact that they were doing something that he knew wasn't right and that his father needed to be made aware of. And so anytime, listen, let this be a lesson in and of itself. Anytime you take a stand for what is right and what is true and what is honorable, it will make those who aren't doing those things uncomfortable and they will label you anything but respectable for speaking against it. That's integrity. Joseph is a young man of integrity. Even beyond that, we saw that he had received a calling through God-given dreams. So God gives him these dreams that setting him apart for something that we don't know yet. But it sounds quite significant. Because he's talking about, remember, how his brothers, even his father's mother, at some point in time, they're going to come and bow down before him. It's putting him in a place of position and power and authority over his family. So this is a monumental call that God has placed upon his life. There's a lot of good things going on for Joseph at the beginning. But let's see how that's transformed in the present. Now, instead of a favored son, he's a slave. He's been labeled by his brothers as a self-righteous, hallucinating moron. According to Potiphar's wife, he's a sexual deviant. He is a potential rapist. And she even throws an even deeper dig in there by essentially calling him a racist. And you might not know that if you don't understand the context a little bit, but on more than one occasion, she calls Joseph a Hebrew. And so what you need to understand is that Hebrews and Egyptians had some major, major racial tension between the two of them. There's a lot of bad blood there. And so the way in which she is beginning to label Joseph to Potiphar is that you've brought this racist, Egyptian-hating Hebrew into our house who has turned out to be a sexual deviant and has attempted to rape me. And on top of that, after that's said and done, and Potiphar gets done with him, he now gets to add the prestigious titles of criminal and prisoner beside his name. I really need you to see where we're going with this. For 17 years, Joseph had lived in a way that honored his father and his family. For 17 years, he had worked to be someone who lived and loved and served the Lord. 17 years of building a good, listen, reputation for himself. And within a matter of moments, a small collection of other people have ruined it. Everything that Joseph once was known for at the beginning of this narrative has completely changed. At this point in time in Joseph's life, he would not have been known as a man of integrity. He would not have been known 
as being a favored child within his family. He would not have been known as somebody who had received a significant calling from God upon his life. Joseph's name, where he's at currently, and the people that were surrounded by his sphere of influence, would have known him as a sexual deviant rapist who is now an incarcerated criminal living underneath this disguise of self-righteousness that God had somehow placed some kind of calling upon his life. Reputation ruined. I say all that to say that we put so much emphasis on building reputation, do we not? And I remember at a young age being taught over and over again to... Make a good reputation for yourself. Maybe some of y'all have heard some similar sentiments. It's very important, the reputation that you build, that you make for yourself. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that in principle. But the more I dig and dig and dig into God's Word, the more that I see Him desire that we build character overbuilding reputation. Why? Because reputation can be snatched up by anybody at any moment and completely ruined. Reputation is, is tangible. People other than you can get their hands on it. But character is more intangible. Character resides in places that wicked people can't get their hands on. And so look at this. In Philippians chapter 2, in verse 7, Paul's talking about Christ leaving glory and coming to this earth. And he says this of Jesus, that he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of of men. So that, that first phrase that he emptied himself, some translations write that out as he made himself of no reputation. And what that means is that Jesus didn't relinquish any of who he was. He never relinquished his kingship. He never relinquished his glory. He never relinquished his divineness or his power or his almightiness or any of those things but what Jesus understood was is that as he was going to leave all of heaven and come down to this earth people were going to take his name and his image and label it all kinds of different things however they wanted to so he said I'm not going to hold myself to any kind of reputation because people can tarnish reputation and that's exactly what they tried to do while he was here people did and said all kinds of things to and about Jesus in an attempt to tarnish his name in an attempt to wreck his image. They didn't believe he was the son of God. They accused him of being a demon. They called him crazy. They thought he was a lunatic. They thought, man, this guy, what, what nut house did this guy break out of? People try to do all kinds of things to corrupt Christ's reputation. But even so, they could not change who he was. They couldn't change the character of who he was. They could not change the nature of of who he was. So go back to Joseph. Even though his brothers tried to ruin his reputation, Joseph kept his character. How do I know? Go back to verse 2. It says that the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. 
His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had from the time that he made him overseer in his house. And over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and in field. So even after what his brothers did to him, selling him into slavery, what we find Joseph doing is continuing to work in an honorable way, in an unfavorable situation. That's character. How easy would it have been for Joseph to look at his situation and his circumstance? I mean, how down would y'all be for real if your family sold you into slavery? Can we please grasp the weight of this? I know it's hard for us to wrap our minds around, but imagine legitimately having your own family sell you for a couple of bucks as a slave to a group of strangers that they had never seen before in their life because they so desperately wanted to get rid of you. How easy would it have been for Joseph to have wallowed around in his heartache and his pain and his sorrow feeling low, feeling down, in a state of depression, thinking, man, my, this is my life now, like everything is ruined for me. All that stuff, all those dreams, it was obviously for nothing. He could have threw his hands up, gave up, and said, this is it, I'm done. I'm not going to apply myself. I'm not going to try to live in an honorable way anymore. I tried this whole living for Jesus thing. I tried to live in a way that honored you, God, and look where it's landing me at. But Joseph didn't do that. Why? Character. He continued to work. In an honor. He worked so fiercely that his master took notice of his work ethic and promoted him. Did, did you notice it? Even as a slave, he's successful. Those two don't go in the same sentence together. They don't belong in the same descriptive. You don't consider slaves successful because of his character. He continued to work in an honorable way. Even though Potiphar's wife tried to ruin his reputation, Joseph kept his character. How do I know? Back to the text. The very end of verse 6 says, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of my master... Because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. He's put everything that he has in my charge. He's not greater in his house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, none of the men in the house were in the house. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me, but he left his garment in her hand and he fled and he got out of the house. I know that Joseph kept his character because he would not compromise with Potiphar's wife. Can you imagine the discipline that it took for him to resist? Don't miss out on some of the details of this. First of which, let's give Joseph some credit. He was a good looking dude. Joseph had some stuff going on for him, apparently. And Potiphar's wife took notice. I don't, I don't know what Potiphar looked like, but he went on the same level as Joseph. 
and his wife takes notice. She tries to get him to sleep with her. He refuses her advance. But then, uh, let me see, go back to verse 10. It says that she spoke to Joseph day after day. I want you to understand something. Like, this was not just a one-time proposition from this woman to try and get Joseph into bed. Every single day, she was trying to get Joseph to sleep with her. Now, let's give Potiphar's wife some props. I would imagine she was a good-looking lady. Potiphar was high up in the ranks. He could have had his pick of the sea, so to speak. I promise you, it's not that, it's not that she was ugly, okay, and Joseph didn't have no problem resisting her advances. Like, it would have been one thing, if, you know, like, if we got a situation where she's maybe not that attractive. You know, it's like a Rachel-Leah situation. Rachel was beautiful, but Leah had nice eyes. Like, it's not like one of those situations. Every single day, she's grabbing Joseph by the shirt. Come on, baby. Every day. Ask any guy in this room what his strongest temptation and desire is. And don't let him lie to you. If you want the true answer, you can come find me. See if it matches up. Every single day he was being tempted with this. Every day she's propositioned. Every day she's looking for an eye. Every day she is begging this man to come and sleep with her. And Joseph will not compromise. She's so desperate for this to happen. She grabs a hold of him one day and won't let go. Joseph has to rip out of his coat and run out of the house to get away from her. We, one day we get to heaven, we got to have a talk with Joseph about the coat situation. Like, I would think maybe after this situation, he never put another coat on again the rest of his life. But he runs out of the house, and she's left standing there holding his garment. Like, think of the discipline that that took to run away from that. Men, women, oh my goodness, the discipline that we need to be sexually pure. Joseph succeeded in this. And I'm going to take a sidebar for a moment, but I dare say 90% or more of this room has failed in these moments. But listen, God of the turnaround, God can restore what you have broken. And if you're in here tonight and your testimony is not like Joseph's, it's okay. God can restore you. He can mend that. And I don't say that because it sounds good. I know people that live that. God can restore. He is the God of the turnaround. He can turn around those situations in your life. But man, Joseph kept his character. Even though Potiphar tried to add to the ruin, Joseph kept his character. Aren't you going to ask me? How do I know? Verse 21. Potiphar gets upset. 
was convinced by his wife that Joseph really tried to take advantage of her, and so he does what any outraged husband would do. He throws this man in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Because I don't know where else they would be. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. And the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge. Because the Lord was with him. Whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. I know Joseph kept his character because even in prison, this man once again goes back to working and serving in an honorable manner. My goodness that I could have the character of Joseph. That irregardless of whatever unfair, unjust situation I find myself in, I can continue to serve with such faithful obedience and optimism. Unbelievable. Joseph kept his character. What I'm telling you here tonight as men and women of God is to keep your character. Romans 12, 18 says that if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. 1 Peter 2, 15 says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Then drop down to verse 19, For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So, man and woman of God, live peaceably with everyone, but when that can't happen because others attack, you keep your character. Because honorable lives eventually silence foolish accusations. They may tarnish your image, but they cannot take your identity. So keep your character. Tell the person beside you, keep your character. Keep your character. Keep your character. When others sell you out, you keep your character. When sexual desire tries to pull you in, you keep your character. When you face consequences of unjustified claims, you keep your character. Listen, I know it's difficult when it's coming down. I know it's difficult when you're going through it, but like Joseph, you got to get back up. Why? So you can see this last truth. Because you don't want to miss the presence within the put-down. Yes, Joseph's going through it. Yes, he has been getting knocked down at every turn. But God has been with him every step of the way. I think it's worth showing you this. Not once in all of this do we see God speaking with Joseph. And he's not speaking audibly but he is speaking action only. Every step of the way, he's working and he's intercessing on Joseph's behalf. His presence is everywhere in this. His brothers sell him into slavery. Do you know what we see? We see God go with him. In verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. God's presence is there. 
His voice may be absent, but his sovereign hands are active. He's with Joseph in the midst of being sold into slavery. Joseph is a slave, but God has made him successful. That's what we would like to call maybe a turnaround. That God took a situation in Joseph's life that seemed dire and that seemed hopeless, that seemed as if it would be full of despair and dead ends and turns it around into a success story. As the narrative continues, we see that Joseph gets put into prison. But a familiar pattern recurs. In verse 20, it shows that once he's there, in 21, he, he's, he says that the Lord was with Joseph. So Joseph goes into slavery. In verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. Then Joseph goes into prison in verse 20 and in verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph, and he showed him steadfast love, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. And the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So he's put into prison, but God goes with him. And, and now as Joseph is a prisoner, in the midst of that, God has made him prosper. And that's, once again, what we might would consider for the sake of this series, a, a turnaround. I don't know if you know it or not, but as I stated earlier, it's not a common thing to put in the descriptive of a slave that he's successful. In the same sense, it's not a common descriptive to list in the descriptive of a prisoner that he's prosperous. But that's who our God is. He's the God of a turnaround. He's the one who takes these kind of situations in our life and he, he shifts and he moves and he works and sovereignly behind the scenes sometimes in all of the details for those who are called by His name and set apart for His glory. He is working all things together for their good. Joseph doesn't know it yet, but he wasn't brought to Egypt. He was led. Joseph doesn't know it yet. He wasn't put in prison. He was placed. God's got something bigger in place. That's why you got to get back up again. I know life can knock you down. I know things can get tough. I know the enemy can come against us. I know people can come against you. I know this world can come against you. But you got to get up again. We've been given a thousand foot view of Joseph's life. And that's convenient for us because we get to know and see that God is at work and that he's going to use him for great ways. You can skip all the way to chapter 50 if you wanted to and see the conclusion of this and see the amazing work that God does. Don't do it. You'll spoil the series and I'm going to be upset with you. But if you wanted to, you could do that. You can see how God is going to do something amazing in Joseph's life you would have never dreamed would have happened in, verse, in chapter 37 and chapter 39. He gives us a thousand foot view so we can see what he's doing. But you know what? He gave us that view to remind us that he is the same God today. The same God who's working these things, who's turning these things around in Joseph's life is the same God who works sovereignly in your life today as well. And let me tell you something. You weren't brought to the places that you've been. You weren't put in the places that you're in right now. You were led and placed by a sovereign God 
who is ever in pursuit of your soul to turn your life around into something that glorifies and honors Him and fulfills and satisfies you in ways in which you never even imagined. That's the God of the turnaround. And I don't know what some of y'all's stories are. I don't know what places you've been in. I don't know what pits you've been tossed in. I don't know what prisons you've been thrown in. But I know none of it, hear me, none of it was by coincidence or accident. You know how I know that? Because you've been brought to this place. And tonight you were put in that seat. Why? Because there's a God who created this universe, who stitched together and created you, who wants you to know that He loves you so mightily. And He stands ready to turn your life around into something that you never imagined it could be. Maybe some of you are, man, you're in Genesis chapter 39. You're like, dude, I, maybe at one time I thought this God stuff was something. But after what I've been through, the things that I've seen, the places that I've been, there's no way. There is no way any of this is legit. Maybe this won't hit you yet. But you ain't got to chapter 50 yet. You don't know what he's doing can't see it yet, but I promise you he is working. If you'll trust him, you'll begin to see his sovereign hand at work all over your life. Don't miss his presence in the put down. Don't be so down and out. Don't be brought so low that you can't lift up your head and look around and say, man, God's still at work. I may not can hear his voice, but I can see his hands. I think he's turning some situations around tonight.